Good morning. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. It's Thursday, February 15th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. A threat to national security. I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. I'm Linda Kenyon in Washington. Children among the victims of a mass shooting in Kansas City would be forced to run for our safety today. I'm Pamela Furr. A significant court hearing surrounding the Fulton County, Georgia DA. I'm Clayton Neville. U.S. Supreme Court asked to consider Donald Trump court case. On Wall Street, stocks recouped some of Tuesday's losses yesterday and all eyes are on Bitcoin. I'm Jessica Ettinger. Lloyd Austin is pushing for urgent military aid to Ukraine as an aid package stalls in the House. Sagar Megani at the White House. Finally, Valentine's Day flowers. They came from there? Yes. All ahead on America in the Morning. The White House's national security advisor and some members of Congress are trying to alleviate public concerns about a possible national security threat. Correspondent Linda Kenyon has the story from Washington. It started when the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee released a statement that warned of what he called a destabilizing foreign military capability so serious that President Biden should declassify all information about it. Representative Mike Turner said this would allow Congress, the administration, and U.S. allies to discuss openly a response to this threat. I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. House Speaker Mike Johnson. We are going to work together to address this matter, as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And beyond that, uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose classified information and really can't say much more. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan also wouldn't say much more about the nature of the threat. Standing here at the podium today, I, I can't share anything further. Two sources have said the threat has to do with Russia wanting to put a nuclear weapon into space, a weapon that could possibly be used against satellites. But without confirming or denying those reports, Sullivan did say this yesterday. I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals tomorrow. That meeting is today. And House Speaker Mike Johnson told reporters on Capitol Hill, steady hands are at the wheel. We're working on it. And there's no need for alarm. While Jake Sullivan reiterated... I am confident that President Biden, in the decisions that he is taking, is going to ensure the security of the American people going forward. And I will stand here at this podium and assert that, look you in the eye with confidence, that we believe that we can and will and are protecting the national security of the United States. Linda Kenyon, Washington. A celebration of the Super Bowl victory turned tragic after gunfire erupted following a victory parade for the Kansas City Chiefs with a number of children among the victims. Pamela Furr has the latest on the situation. 28 people were injured altogether. 22 of those were shot, and at least nine of those were children. Kansas City radio station KKFI says one of its DJs, Lisa Lopez, died in that shooting. Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves. Three persons detained and under investigation for today's incident. Now, investigators are reviewing videos and asking for any the public might have that could help in the investigation. Homeland Security, the FBI, and ATF are assisting. Parades, rallies, schools, movies. It seems like almost nothing is safe. And we had 
hundreds of law enforcement there working hard today. Mayor Quentin Lucas. I'm heartbroken. First of all, I'm praying for the victims and the families impacted. I start with them. Um, I'm incredibly upset, disappointed. I was there with my wife. I was there with my mother. Uh, we never would have thought that we, along with Chiefs players, along with fans, hundreds of thousands of people, would be forced to run for our safety today. Now, schools in Kansas City were closed so that kids could attend this parade for the Super Bowl champs. Lucas says the threat of mass shootings is becoming a regular concern in large crowds. We had over 800 officers there, staffed, situated all around Union Station today. We had security in, in any number of places, eyes on top of buildings and beyond. And there still is a risk to people. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs issued a statement of support and prayers for the victims. We're told they were all on buses after the parade when the shots were fired. I'm Pamela Fur. Georgia District Attorney has her day in court. We'll have that and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. At least one part of the nation has a touch of spring-like weather in winter. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Much of the southern half of the nation will continue to have a break from the storms today with nice spring-like weather in place. The southeast into Florida will be pleasant today with some sunshine and highs in the 60s with 70s over most of Florida. Southern California into most of Arizona and New Mexico will have sunshine and nice weather. There'll be more clouds over the southern plains, but it'll still be mild. Some rain will break out over southern Texas from Laredo to Brownsville this afternoon. Meanwhile, a fast-moving clipper will spread snow across the northern half of Michigan, where a general one to three inches of accumulation will occur, although localized amounts of three to six inches can pile up, leading to difficult travel and delays. Further south toward Detroit, there will be a mix of rain and wet snow, which can leave a slushy coating to an inch. Snow will expand across New York State and far northern Pennsylvania this afternoon, then across New England tonight, where a general one to three inches of accumulation is expected, including around Buffalo 
and Boston. A couple of rain and snow showers can sneak into New York City by the end of today, but no snow accumulation is expected. Further south, a few rain showers will dampen Indiana and Ohio eastward into southern Pennsylvania and West Virginia. Snow will fly over the northern Rockies into South Dakota and northern Nebraska, accumulating a couple of inches with three or four inches over the higher mountains of Wyoming and Montana. Meanwhile, rounds of rain will continue to fall over western Washington and Oregon into northern California with snow in the Cascades and Sierra Nevada. Showers of valley rain and mountain snow will spill over across the interior west into Utah and western Colorado. And that's the weather across America. In Atlanta today, partly sunny, high 67. Meanwhile, in Seattle, periods of rain with a high of 45. That's the nation's weather. I'm IQWeather.com meteorologist Carr Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. A hearing is slated for later today surrounding the Georgia District Attorney prosecuting former President Donald Trump. Correspondent Clayton Neville has been following the case. Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney Fonnie Willis behind the charges against former President Donald Trump. Arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. Trump was heard on tape after his election loss in 2020, urging the Georgia Secretary of State to find votes, but the former president denies the criminal allegations against him and refers to the case as another political witch hunt. When it was learned that Fonnie Willis was involved in an affair with the attorney she brought in as the special prosecutor in the Trump case, Trump couldn't resist. I would never have an affair with anybody in my office. Well, she had an affair. That affair now the center of today's hearing. Trump's attorneys argue conflict of interest, and the judge in the case will determine whether or not Willis should be dismissed. It's possible the three-year investigation itself could be dropped. Witnesses expected to testify throughout the day today, with the chance of spilling over into a day two. I'm Clayton Neville. From an Atlanta hearing to one in Washington, the special counsel in the Trump 2020 election probe is asking the Supreme Court to move the process forward. Lisa Dwyer reports. Special counsel Jack Smith is urging the Supreme Court to let former President Donald Trump's 2020 election interference case proceed to trial without further delay. Prosecutors were responding to a Trump team request from earlier in the week, asking for a continued pause in the case. As the court considers whether to take up the question of whether Trump is immune from prosecution for official acts while in the White House. Two lower courts have overwhelmingly rejected that position, prompting Trump to ask the high court to intervene. Smith asked that if the Supreme Court does want to take the case, that they hear arguments in March and issue a final ruling by late June. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Bitcoin up 20%. Mortgage rates climb again. Business news is next. America in the Morning's back after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. Those new Tesla all-electric Cybertrucks look futuristic, have all the bells and whistles, and they're made with stainless steel. But here's the wrinkle. 
Reports are circulating that the cyber trucks that are exposed to rain are starting to rust. Motor Trend reports that while stainless steel is extremely resistant to corrosion, it's not corrosion proof. Some Tesla Cybertruck owners reported orange stains on the exterior of their EVs, which is believed to be an early sign of rust. Volatile market activity and more with CNBC's Jessica Ettinger and Thursday Business. Wall Street opens this morning after a really nice finish for the major averages yesterday. They were kind of hovering around the flat line, but they finished higher, recouping some of Tuesday's losses. The S&P 500 index is back at 5,000. We're going to go green, and the S&P may just get 5,000 again at the close. Trying to settle right there. CNBC's Scott Wapner with last night's closing call and a sigh of relief for investors. Some say the tick higher for inflation in January really needs to be put into context. Put it a little bit of perspective, it's one number and we've had a long list of better numbers before this. Glendue trusts Bill Stone on CNBC. Bitcoin, watch that today. It popped back up over 52,000 last night. It's highest since December of 2021, up 20% this month. Lyft shares up 35 percent yesterday after a pop and drop on a mistake in its quarterly report. It's a terrible thing. It is an extra zero that slipped into a press release. And, uh, uh, you know, thank goodness we caught it pretty fast and we issued an immediate correction. Lyft CEO David Risher on CNBC. Yeah, I think that this will be SEC investigation. I'm trying to figure out whether this whether there was anybody who uh, may have been involved in some sort of chicanery, which I don't think is the case. And then you'll take a look at all the people who bought it during that period. They got a decent lawsuit, even though it was after hours. Uh, all that said, it's a shame. It was a real good quarter. CNBC's Mad Money host Jim Cramer. Mortgage rates are surging higher. The average rate on a 30-year fixed home loan back over 7% at 7.1%, according to Mortgage News Daily. Thousands of Porsches and Audis have been impounded at U.S. ports. The FT says they've been found to have components made in China that broke anti-forced labor laws. What's the deal on the broadcast of college football playoffs? Yeah, it looks like Disney is paying up to keep showing the college football playoffs. Disney's ESPN and the college football playoff appearing to come to terms on a new broadcast deal. According to reports, the six-year agreement would cost the network $1.3 billion a year and allow it to keep exclusive rights to the 12-team playoff throughout the 2031 season. The deal can't be finalized until the CFP works through other outstanding issues regarding the format and revenue distribution. CNBC's Silvana Hanau. Reminder, ESPN will debut its own streaming service next year. So if you want to watch, you're probably going to be paying up if you don't have cable. On today's watch list, earnings are coming from Shake Shack, Deer, Hyatt Hotels, Jeep Parents, Stellantis, to name a few. We find out how many people applied for unemployment benefits last week. Thousands are at Daytona for Speed Week, ahead of the Daytona 500 this Sunday and the start of the NASCAR season. Upon us once again, CNBC's Jessica Ettinger with a look at Thursday business. When we return on America in the Morning, where all those Valentine's Day flowers actually come from. We're back after these messages. We're back. This is America in the Morning. 
The Biden administration is working to push the Pentagon's plea for Congress to approve more money to send badly needed arms to Ukraine. As Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin held a call with a number of his world counterparts on support for Kyiv. It was a virtual address from his Virginia home to defense leaders from some 50 nations. I plan to be in person uh, with you today in Brussels, but I had to return to the hospital for non-surgical procedures. Austin told the group Ukraine urgently needs ammunition and artillery, and the Pentagon's out of money to send more. The United States continues to stand four square with Ukraine. But it's unclear if or when Congress will approve more money for Ukraine. The Senate passed a war funding package this week, but the Republican-led House will not be jammed or forced into passing a foreign aid bill. Speaker Mike Johnson says the Senate bill does nothing to secure America's southern border, though he had already rejected a border security compromise that was later stripped from the bill. Sagar Megani at the White House. Flowers were the big seller for Valentine's Day, and it might surprise you as to where the roses and other plants you gave your loved one came from. As correspondent Haya Panjwani reports, a large majority of roses sold in the U.S. are imported and arrive through Miami International Airport. Valentine's Day is a busy time for the Miami International Airport. Around 90% of the roses and fresh-cut flowers being sold for Valentine's Day in the United States come through Miami. That's according to the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. Abel Serrano is the Customs and Border Protection Branch Chief for Agriculture Air Cargo. He says their job is to check for pests. Our mission here is to avoid and stop any possible exotic pests, plant exotic pests to establish in the United States. Also, this also include animal diseases. The next big flower day that the airport will have to prepare for will be in May on Mother's Day. I'm Haya Panjwani. America in the Morning for Thursday, February 15th, 2024 is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. A warning from the House Intelligence Committee chairman about a serious national security threat. Sagar Magani, Washington. The ebb and flow at the southern border. I'm Clayton Neville. Lawmakers and pundits react to Democrat Tom Suozzi's success reclaiming a House seat in New York. I'm John Stolnes. NATO's Secretary General is accusing former President Donald Trump of undermining NATO security. I'm Donna Water. Mayorkas impeachment moves forward. Some performers at Disneyland in California are seeking to unionize. I'm Kevin Carr. Imprisoned, disgraced movie mogul's new hope. Back after these messages. This is America in the Morning. We're closing in on one month till spring 2024. Here's today's forecast from AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Most of the snow today will be found across the far northern part of the nation. A fast-moving clipper storm will spread snow across the northern half of Michigan, where a general one to three inches of accumulation will occur. Although there'll be a narrow corridor between Traverse City and the thumb of Michigan, where three to six inches can pile up by the end of the day, which can lead to difficult travel and delays. Further south toward Detroit, there'll be a mix of rain and wet snow, which can leave a slight 
slushy coating to an inch, mainly on non-paved surfaces. Snow will expand across New York State and far northern Pennsylvania this afternoon, then across New England tonight, where a general one to three inches of accumulation is expected, including around Buffalo and Boston. A couple of rain and snow showers can sneak into New York City by the end of the day, but temperatures will be too warm for any snow accumulation. Further south, a few rain showers will dampen Indiana and Ohio eastward into southern Pennsylvania and West Virginia. Another area of snow will be found over the northern Rockies into South Dakota and northern Nebraska, accumulating a coating to an inch or two in most spots with three or four inches over the higher mountains of Wyoming and Montana. Meanwhile, rounds of rain will continue to fall over western Washington and Oregon with showers extending into northern California. Snow will be confined to the Cascades and Sierra Nevada. Showers of valley rain and mountain snow will spill over the interior west into Utah and western Colorado. Southern California into most of Arizona and New Mexico will have plenty of sunshine and nice weather today. The southeast into Florida will also be pleasant today with some sunshine and mild temperatures. There will be more clouds over the southern plains, but it will still be mild for this time of the year. Some rain will break out this afternoon over southern Texas from Laredo to Brownsville. That's the nation's weather. I'm IQWeather.com meteorologist Kai Erickson. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. House Speaker Mike Johnson is urging calm after the GOP-led House Intelligence Committee's chairman disclosed what was deemed as a serious national security threat. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani has the latest. Understand that there are a range of threats and challenges in the world that we're dealing with every single day. And uh, those threats and challenges range from terrorism to state actors. And we have to contend with them, and we have to contend with them in a way where we ensure the ultimate security of the American people. Congress's top Republican is urging calm after a warning from the House Intelligence Committee chairman about a serious national security threat. I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. House Speaker Mike Johnson spoke after Intelligence Panel Chair Mike Turner disclosed the threat without giving any details. Johnson said he can't either. Last month, I sent a letter to the White House requesting a meeting with the president to discuss a serious national security issue that is classified. In response to that letter, a meeting is now scheduled on this matter here at the Capitol with a gang of four and with the president's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. The intelligence panel's top Democrat says the classified information is significant, but also not cause for panic. That's been on the books. So I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals. That's his choice to do that. Jim Himes will be among those briefed tomorrow by National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who appeared caught off guard in the White House briefing room by Turner's public disclosure. I'm not in a position to say anything further today. Like I said, I look forward to the discussion with him. And obviously, from there, we will determine how to proceed. But standing here at the podium today, I, I can't share anything further. Sagar Magani, Washington. An immigration legislation is stalled in Congress. State and federal leaders are considering tweaks to their response to a surge of migration at the southern border. Correspondent Clayton Neville has been following details. Republican lawmakers in D.C. and state leaders in Texas are insisting that President Biden can slow a surge of migration right away by putting immigration policies in place. But the White House says it's on Congress to fix the issue. 
After a record-breaking number of encounters at the southern border last month, though, data released this week shows that crossings dropped by half in January. The largest decline was seen in the Del Rio sector, which includes Eagle Pass, Texas. That's where Texas Guard members are keeping Border Patrol out of Shelby Park and deterring illegal immigrants with razor wire panels. For a while, it's been pretty hectic, uh, pretty busy. But since we started this project here, um, it's been pretty low. Well, they have been uh, crossing over the Connexes like pretty frequently, mm -hmm. and um, I think this is a better way to try to stop them, uh, putting ACP panels up with the razor wire. Other Republican-led states still sending help to Texas. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp announcing this week he's sending more National Guard troops to the border from his state. And in Washington, D.C., lawmakers like Republican Congressman Steve Scalise are frustrated but not deterred by the lack of a national security deal that includes protections at the southern border. We're going to take this seriously as we have for months and months and continue to focus on those needs of the American people. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. The Senate must pass House Republicans Secure the Border Act, the strongest border security bill in history. And House Speaker Mike Johnson. The Republican-led House will not be jammed or forced into passing a foreign aid bill that was opposed by most Republican senators and does nothing to secure our own border. The proposed legislation includes billions of dollars for immigration and customs enforcement, but according to a recent Washington Post report, ICE officials are considering cutting costs by releasing thousands of immigrants and reducing detention levels by about 16,000. According to that report, the agency is facing a $700 million budget gap, which is the largest projected deficit it's ever seen. I'm Clayton Neville. After beating out his Republican challenger in Tuesday's special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District vacated by the expelled George Santos, lawmakers and pundits are reacting to a new congressman's victory and what, if anything, it means for Democrats in November. John Stolness has that story from Washington. The morning after Swansea's victory, a win for Democrats that trimmed an already slim Republican majority one vote more, now 219 to 213, House Speaker Mike Johnson warning Democrats not to read too much into it. They spent about $15 million. Their candidate ran like a Republican. He sounded like a Republican talking about the border and immigration. That incumbent had been a three-term member of Congress, and he had 100% name ID and a deep family history in the district. Our, our candidate was relatively unknown. You know, there was a weather event. That, that is in no way a bellwether of what's going to happen this fall. Some see Swansea's victory as a path to success for other Democrats in swing districts this fall. He blasted Republicans for snubbing the bipartisan immigration deal, but echoed concerns about illegal immigration with suburban voters and painted his Republican challenger, Mozzie Pillip, as an opponent of abortion rights. Democrats like Jim McGovern said it's clear voters in a district Santos won by eight points in 2022 are sending the GOP a message. They don't want a deranged former president who has been indicted more times than he's been elected to be calling the shots here. Meanwhile, Florida Republican Byron Donalds laying blame at the feet of New York Republicans who wanted Santos ousted. If he was found guilty, then yeah, he should remove himself from Congress. And if he wouldn't remove himself, then the chamber would have a responsibility to do that. But to preempt that, to score political points, was stupid. One of them, Congressman Marcus Molinaro, refusing to accept blame. There are a lot of decisions that have occurred these last couple of months that have shrunk the majority. Perhaps George Santos, being honest, would have kept one more seat here in Congress. Early voting also helped 
helped pave the way to a Swansea victory, something Republican Richard Hudson says his party must stop vilifying. Republicans have got to take advantage of early voting. We can't start so far behind. Donald Trump ripped into Mozzie Pillip's campaign on Truth Social afterwards, calling her a very foolish woman who didn't treat MAGA Republicans with enough respect. I'm John Stolness. NATO up in arms after Trump's comments and lawmakers want answers in the investigation into President Biden. Those stories and more next. America in the Morning, back after these messages. We're back now on America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. As former President Donald Trump stands by his statements about not defending NATO nations who don't meet their defense spending quotas, some of the organization's leaders are speaking out in defense of the alliance. Correspondent Donna Warder has that story. On Saturday, GOP presidential candidate and frontrunner Trump said he once warned that he would allow Russia to do whatever it wants to NATO members that are delinquent in devoting 2% of their GDP to defense. Of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay, you're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. President Joe Biden called Trump's remarks dangerous and un-American. NATO has been able to prevent a military attack against any NATO ally for 75 years. And we have done that because it has been absolutely clearly communicated from all NATO allies at any time that we are there to protect all allies. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg is responding. The purpose of NATO is to prevent war, is to preserve peace, is to prevent an attack on NATO allies. And we have done so successfully for decades uh, because our deterrence is credible. So any suggestion that we are not standing up for each other, that we are not going to protect each other, that does undermine the security of all of us. Stoltenberg says U.S. partners in NATO have spent $600 billion more on their military budgets since 2014, when Russia annexed the Crimean Peninsula and Ukraine. Any suggestion that we are not standing up for each other, that we are not going to protect each other, that does undermine the security of all of us. I'm Donna Water. Following that House party-line vote to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, Senate leaders will now have to hold a trial despite the overwhelming belief that he will not be found guilty. The New York Times is reporting that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will plan to hold a very speedy trial in the hopes of stopping House Republicans from potentially turning the chamber into a political spectacle. While there's still as much as two weeks before House managers will make their way across Congress to the Senate's side, the expectation is that the trial could be over within a few days before voting to exonerate him. For Mayorkas to be found guilty, it would take at least 18 Democrats to join every Republican senator to say Mayorkas is in the wrong, and the early expectation is that a handful of GOP senators won't find him culpable. Under the Constitution, the Senate must consider impeachment charges approved by the GOP-led House, so there will have to be a trial, but how any proceeding is handled is up to the discretion of the Democrat-led Senate. 
Both allies and rivals of President Biden both want the transcript of his special counsel interview released. Lisa Dwyer has details. President Joe Biden avoided criminal charges around his handling of classified documents in part because of his answers during a lengthy interview with the special counsel investigating him. The five-hour interview over two days was led by special counsel Robert Herr. It helped establish that Biden did not intend to retain most of the sensitive records from his vice presidency found at his home or personal office. But the sit-down has also opened Biden to scrutiny over his age and memory. Now the public release of a transcript of that discussion is being sought by both Biden's allies and critics, both sides looking for a political edge. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Bitcoin has been rebounding since gaining approval last month by the SEC to let investors bet on future trading prices. Yesterday, it saw its highest price in nearly two years. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech news. The market cap for Bitcoin surpassed $1 trillion on Wednesday for the first time since November 2021. Bitcoin has risen about 22% since the start of February, already set for its biggest monthly rise since October of last year. This may be in part due to crypto lender Genesis Global went bankrupt and on Wednesday received permission from a U.S. court to sell about $1.6 billion in shares in their investment in Grayscale Spot Bitcoin ETF. These exchange-traded funds have seen billions of dollars of influx of new money since they were given approval for trading last month. Bitcoin's price reached as high as $52,000 on Wednesday, its latest 25-month high, which has taken the token's market cap to $1.013 trillion, according to the price from platform CoinGecko. Industry analysts predict that the price will continue to rise until the Bitcoin halving sometime in April. Leave a comment at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. America in the Morning continues with sports. Here's Robert Workman. The first place Celtics went into the NBA All-Star break on a high note last night, obliterating the Nets 136-86. They held Brooklyn to 32 points in the entire first half while scoring at least 30 in each quarter themselves. They've won six in a row. Clippers rallied from down 15 to whip the Warriors despite 41 from Steph Curry. Kings rallied past the Nuggets, wiping out a 16-point deficit. Cavaliers came back from down 17 to chase down the Bulls. Pelicans got 36 from Zion Williamson as they held off the Wizards. Denny Avdia had a career-best 43 for Washington, but D.C. has dropped eight straight. Magic nailed the Knicks. Paolo Bancaro put up 36 points. Uh, super important, I think, for everybody. You know, just last game before the break. Everyone wanted to come out strong, get a win. Lakers lashed the Jazz. Anthony Davis scored 37. Rui Hachimura had a career-high 36. Mavericks won their six straight. Grizzlies snap a nine-game skid. Wins for the Hornets, Heat, Suns, and Pacers. Three more games tonight, then the All-Star Game Sunday in Indianapolis. College basketball, number one Connecticut rolled over to DePaul, 101-65. 8th-ranked Tennessee and number 13 Auburn were easy winners as well. NHL wins for the Panthers, the Jets, and the Wild. And the front row for Sunday's Daytona 500 is all set with two former champions leading the way. Joey Logano and Michael McDowell will each drive a Ford at the head of the pack. The rest of the 40-car field will be determined in two 150-mile duels tonight. That's Thursday Sports. When we return on America in the Morning, flamboyant superstars memorabilia auction. After these messages...
This is America in the Morning. Heading to Disneyland? You may soon need to look for the union label. Kevin Carr has the story. It's been the destination for families and children of all ages for years. We're going to Disneyland! Now a new visitor might be coming to Disneyland in California, a union. This week, costume performers announced they will be seeking to join Actors' Equity Association. These performers portray the iconic characters around the park during guest meet-and-greets and in various parades. Some wear full costumes like Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, and Goofy. Others portray unmasked characters like Cinderella and Snow White. Many of Disneyland's 35,000 employees are already unionized under a variety of organizations, as are the costume performers at Walt Disney World in Florida. However, approximately 1,700 performers in the California theme parks are not. The workers supporting unionization call themselves Magic United. They're seeking higher wages due to cost of living in California, safety and comfort issues for their costumes, and improved scheduling. The union efforts began with health and safety concerns following lifting of COVID restrictions that allowed close interaction between performers and guests. Actors' Equity represents 51,000 members that range from Broadway stars to exotic dancers. The union says it already has more than 30% of employee support after only a few days. They plan a representation vote with the National Labor Relations Board when they exceed 60%. I'm Kevin Carr. Nearly four years after he was convicted of rape and sent to prison, New York's highest court appears torn following oral arguments about potentially overturning the landmark case against Harvey Weinstein. The former movie mogul's attorney told the court it was his client's character on trial, not the evidence. Weinstein was sentenced to 23 years in prison following his guilty verdict in New York. He was convicted in Los Angeles of a rape charge and sentenced to an additional 16 years in prison once his New York sentence ends. If you're a fan of Elton John, you may be able to grab up a piece of the iconic singer's memorabilia at a New York auction, correspondent Julie Walker reports. A treasure trove of Elton John's possessions are up for auction. It's a little bit funny. They're from his Atlanta home where he moved in the 70s, wrote music, and really became a collector. It doesn't have to cost $100,000. It can cost $5. I have an eclectic taste, and that's what my apartment was in Atlanta. It was my man cave full of things I just loved, mementos from everywhere in the world and things that I got up every day, and they all gave me inspiration. Everything from a grand piano to platform boots to a Rolls Royce and artwork, 900 pieces in all, Christie says... Sales start at $100 and skyrocket from there. Julie Walker, New York. America in the Morning for Thursday, February 15th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.